0: Chapter two of Summer Days in Shakespeare Land by Charles g Harper This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter two A modern man who now chanced to own the name of Shakespeare would feel proud, even of that fortuitous and remote association with the greatest figure in English literature. He might even try to live up to it, although the probabilities are that he would quite early forego the attempt and become a backslider to commonplace but available records tell us no good of the earliest bearers of the name. The first Shakespeare, of whom we have any notice, was a John of that name. He was hanged in 1248 for robbery. It is a very long time ago since this malefactor suffered, and perhaps he was one of those very many unfortunate persons who have been in all ages wrongly convicted. But the name was not in olden times a respectable one. It signified originally one who wielded a spear not a chivalric and romantic knight warring with the infidel in palestine or jousting to uphold the claims to beauty of his chosen lady but a common soldier a rough man-at-arms one who was in great request in his country's wars but was accounted and undesirable when the piping times of peace were come again and every man desired nothing better than to sit beneath his own vine and fig tree we have record of a certain Shakespeare, who grew so weary of the name, that he changed it for Saunders. But time was presently to bring revenge, when William Shakespeare, afterwards to become a poet and dramatist of unapproachable excellence, was born, to make the choice of that recreant bearer of the name look ridiculous. One Shakespeare before the dramatist's time had reached not only respectability, but some kind of local eminence. This was Isabel Shakespeare, who became prioress of the priory of Badesley Clinton, near Knoll. Batesley Clinton is in the ancient and far-spreading forest of Arden, and near it is the village of Rowington, where there still remains the very picturesque, fifteenth-century mansion called Shakespeare Hall, which is said to have been in the dramatist's time the residence of a Thomas Shakespeare, an uncle but william shakespeare's genealogy has not been convincingly taken back beyond his grandfather richard whose very christian name is only traditional who is stated to have been a farmer at snitterfield three miles from stratford-on-avon warwickshire was in fact extremely rich in shakespeare's many of them no relatives of the dramatist's family they grew in every hedgerow and very many of them owned the christian name of william but they spelled their patronymic in an amazing number of ways. It is said to be capable of four thousand variations. We will forbear the most of these. Shakespeare, S-H-A-X-P-E-A-R-E, is the commonest form. The marriage bond for William Shakespeare and Anne Hathaway spells his name Shagspier, S-H-A-G-S-P-E-R-E, and the dramatist himself spells it in two different ways in the three signatures on his will— which forms to the Baconians conclusive proof of the two following contradictory propositions, one, that he did not know how to spell his name, and two, that the spelling being different, the so-called signatures were written by a law clerk. As a matter of fact, the spelling of one's name was in those times a matter of taste and fancy, which constantly varied. Sir Walter Raleigh, contemporary with Shakespeare, was a scholar whom no one will declare an illiterate, yet he wrote his own name with a fine disregard of consistency and of what future generations might say, Raleigh R-A-W-L-E-Y, Raleigh R-A-L-E-G-H, Raleigh R-A-W-L-E-I-G-H-E, and R a u l e y g h. In any case, the law clerk theory will hardly do a law clerk who wrote such a shocking bad hand as the six signatures of shakespeare display could not have earned his living with lawyers and conveyancers they are signatures nearly all of them which might confidently be taken to a chemist to be made up but exactly how he would read the prescription must be left to the imagination sure and certain foothold upon genealogical fact is only reached with william shakespeare's father who established himself at stratford-on-avon about fifteen fifty one when he seems to have been twenty-one years of age he was described in various times as a fellmonger and glover a wool stapler a butcher and a dealer in hay and corn probably as a son of the farmer at snitterfield he was interested in most of these trades his home and place of business in the town was in Henley Street, then, as now, one of the meaner streets of the place. Its name derives from this forming the way out of Stratford to the town of Henley in Arden. The very first thing we have recorded of John Shakespeare at Stratford is his being fined twelvepence for having a muck-heap in front of his door. Twelve pence in that day was equal to about eight shillings and sixpence of our own times, and thus, when we consider the then notoriously dirty and insanitary condition of Stratford, endured with fortitude, if not with cheerfulness by the Burgesses, we are forced to the conclusion that Mr. John Shakespeare's muck heap must have been a super muckheap, an extremely large and offensive specimen, that made the gorge of even the least squeamish of his fellow-townsmen rise. Two other tradesmen were fined at the same time, and in fifteen fifty eight he was, in company with four others, among whom was the chief alderman Francis Burbage, fined in the smaller sum of fourpence for not keeping his gutter clean. By fifteen fifty six, however, he would seem to have been prospering, for in that year he purchased two copyhold tenements, one in Henley Street, next the house and shop now known as the Birthplace, which he was already occupying, the other in Greenhill Street. Next year he married Mary Arden, of Wilmcote, three miles from Stratford, daughter of Robert Arden, yeoman farmer of that place, said, on insufficient evidence, to have been kin to the ancient knightly family of Arden. He had become, on her father's death in December 1556, owner of landed property called Asby's, at Wilmcote and some like interests at Snitterfield, in common with her brothers and sisters. She was thus in a small way an heiress. Wilmcote, being then merely a hamlet in the parish of Aston Cantlow, they were married at the church of that place. John Shakespeare was now a rising tradesman, and in this same auspicious year became a member of the town council, a body then newly established, upon the granting of a charter of incorporation in 1553. On September 15th, 1558, his daughter Joan was baptized. She died an infant. In 1565, after serving various municipal offices, he became an alderman. Meanwhile, at the close of November 1562, a daughter, Margaret, was born, who died the next year, and in 1564, on April 26th, his son William was baptized the date of the poet's birth is traditionally st george's day april twenty third now with the alteration in the calendar identical with may fifth in that year the town was scourged by a terrible visitation of the plague and john shakespeare is recorded among others as a contributor to funds for the poor who suffered by it on august thirtieth he paid twelvepence on september sixth sixpence on the twenty-seventh of the same month another sixpence and on october twentieth eightpence about twenty-two shillings of our money it is only by tradition but that a very old one that william shakespeare was born at the birthplace in henley street but there is no reasonable excuse for doubting it, unless we like to think that he was born at the picturesque old house in the village of Clifford Chambers, which afterwards became the vicarage and is now a farmhouse. A John Shakespeare was at that time living there, two miles only from Stratford, and it has been suggested that he is identical with the father of William, and that in this plague year he took the precaution of removing his wife out of danger." in fifteen sixty six we find a link between the shakespeares and the hathaways in john shakespeare standing surety for richard hathaway and in the same year his son gilbert was born another joan being born in fifteen sixty nine in 1568 and 1571 he attained the highest municipal offices being elected high bailiff and senior alderman and thus as chief magistrate is found described in local documents as mr shakespeare in 1571 also his daughter anne who died in 1579 was born and in 1573 a son richard in 1575 he purchased the freehold of the birthplace from one edmund hall for forty pounds early in fifteen seventy eight the first note of ill fortune is sounded in the career of john shakespeare some financial disaster had befallen him in january when the town council had decided to provide weapons for two billmen a body of pikemen and one archer and assessed the aldermen for six shillings and eightpence each and the burgesses at half that amount two of the aldermen were excused the full pay one, Mr. Plumley, was charged five shillings, and Mr. Shakespeare was to pay only three and four pence. The following year he defaulted in an assessment for the same amount. Meanwhile he had been obliged to mortgage Aspies, which had come to him with his wife, and to sell the interests at Snitterfield. Although they in after years again grew prosperous, never recovered Aspies. No one knows what caused these straitened circumstances possibly it was some disastrous speculation in corn in the midst of this trouble his seven-year-old daughter anne died and another son edmund was born fifteen eighty he ceased to attend meetings of the town council and his son william entered into an improvident marriage End of chapter two